We love you, Lord. We magnify thee, Jehovah. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' anointed name, we are praying with thanksgiving. Amen and amen. Welcome someone in your home. Around you, just give somebody a good welcome. Those of you who are at home, you are in your, in your, um, what do you call it now? Uh, your, your group. I've forgotten the name the Prime Minister called it. Your bubble. So keep on bubbling in your houses. <laughs> Amen. For those of you in England I'm talking about, if you ask outside England, you may not understand that we are in lockdown in the United Kingdom. And so we are broadcasting, you know, uh, our service from the CFT Cathedral, Woolwich, London, uh, you know, to all members in their homes and all God's lovers across the continent of the globe that have been part of this um, fellowship. And I want to thank God for your lives, for tuning in today. But let me say that I want to be in, in, in the church mood. You know, don't walk around during this period because church is happening right where you are. And the Bible says, where two or three are gathered in my name, in their midst I will be. And if we look at now, we are several, we are a couple of thousands connected to this program across the, across the globe now. And so the Lord is right where you are. Shall we just pray? Father, we thank you so much for grace and mercy. And we thank you for the end time. We thank you for your prophetic revelations that we have been receiving, especially in this household and from this altar over the years and we thank you for bringing us to this year which you have told us ahead of time it will be a year of new beginning as there will be storms across the globe plague will storm the world economy of the world will collapse and there will be a lot of crisis across the globe and then you said to us from last year october as we entered this year that we are going to see that many things will have to go back to their new beginning that a new horizon will begin to open up. New innovations shall be given to people. Uh, because the old order of things shall be shut down. Uh, you said the situation that will happen will challenge the intelligence of man. It will, their intelligence will fail. And it will challenge the norm. And the norm will become obsolete. And because of that, heaven will pour down innovations. Even to the areas of cure of diseases. You said you will give that revelation to the world because it's a preparation for the year of lights when your glory and unction will rest upon your people on earth that will begin to distinct your servants those who serve you uh, from those who do not serve you for the journey is still a little bit long at least for the next from 2000 to 2007 uh, 2007 it shall be a lot of a lot of uh, you know situations happening that will challenge the faith and the understanding of man and so that your divine knowledge can excel so we thank you so much that no wonder you are still talking to us from this pulpit about 21st century leadership and we thank you for revelation for this hour in jesus anointed name we are praying we receive understanding from you and insight from the holy spirit in jesus holy name we are prayed Say amen in your houses. Amen. Now, I've been talking to you lately about the end times. And I titled my message, 21st Century Leadership or End Time Leadership. 
Now we saw in the scriptures that in the book of Matthew 24 verse 21 and 22, Jesus says, For then there will be great distress, unequal from the beginning of the world until now. And never will be again, it will be equal again. And he went in verse 42 to say, If those days were not shortened or cut short, no one will survive for the sake of the elect those days will be shortened. So, in this very uh, record of Matthew, Jesus was asked from verse 4 concerning the end time, what will be the sign of your coming again? And Jesus began to tell them, the first answer he says, that do not be deceived. There will be a lot of deception in the end time. And then he went further to talk about there will be great distress. And I'm very sure that you will agree with me if you have been you know, at least if, you're, if, you, if we do not have agreement that there is distress in the world before this year, we can agree that there is distress right now. Because, you know, the plague that came upon the world, we started in Wuhan uh, like a joke, spread like, you know, as if it was, it was false, and it went through the whole world. And we can recognize the fact that that little virus, it is interesting that as tiny as the virus is, that virus has the power to disorganize the system of the globe. Our financial system has been challenged. Economic principles have been challenged. Industries have been shaking. You know, unprecedented joblessness just spread around the whole place. People have died. You know, there has never been a time in our century or in our own time that an occurrence happened on earth that spread around the whole world. It shook, it killed without gun, without ammunitions. At the same time, it dislocated the whole of our economies. That economies of nations are struggling and many companies have shut down. Now, Jesus said it. He says that there will be great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until then. And he says there will be no equal. So which means that we have just got into a season that this situation you know, uncertainty and, and you know, volatile situation will continue again for a period. But I thank God that Jesus said, for the sake of the elect, it will be cut short. And this is very, very more timely with the prophecy God gave to us that before this year, God told us this year there's going to be a shaking. He told us this year that this is the year there will be plague. He told us economy will be crashing. I put that on my television program uh, just about um, uh, last week. However, why I'm saying this is because, you know, this is 21st century, all right? And according to intellectual reasoning, we look through that briefly, that the intellectuals believe in what is called VUCA. They believe that, you know, as time proceeds, progress in the world, the world will become more volatile. It will become more uncertain. It will become more complex and become more ambiguous. So the five major components that, you know, in the business world, they look to as to think about what to do and how to, to, to navigate through is volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And you will discover that all these are enshrined within what Jesus says, great distress, unequal from beginning of time. And the book of Daniel went further to say, in chapter 12 of Daniel, verse 1, it says, At that time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will, be, there will be a time of distress 
And if we look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, it says, But mark this, there will be perilous times in the last days. And uh, the NIV version called it terrible time. If we look at all these things, therefore, we can say without a doubt that we are living in the last days. Having looked at that, we recognize furthermore, last week in our previous lecture, that there are some factors that will catalyze all this volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity. And we recognize one of them is political factor. Of course, when virus came in, in many nations, the politicians had to listen to the scientists. The scientists said that lockdown every, every industry, they locked down, and people became jobless. Some nations even care about those who lost their jobs. But thank God for England and, you know, some other countries where the system is such that they account to the public and they give money to salaries to people who are not working. So they, 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 they much funded the companies to try and sustain their people for a while. So we recognize the fact that that political decision that was taken that people should lock down, it's a political decision. But when it was said, we discovered that it is so ambiguous. It created so much uncertainty. It is so complex to resolve because many companies discovered that now they cannot really operate as usual. The church of God now could not meet again under one roof. And so, because of that, you know, challenges started coming up, you know, facing all institutions. It became so volatile. The future became so uncertain because the situation is very complex and ambiguous. Another thing that, you know, is a factor is economic. Of course, the political decision led to economic distress in our time. And we can see how these things have chain reaction. And the, the third one that I told you is social. If you discover, if you check this out, the political decision affects the social life of people, and people are even fighting now that they have to socialize, they have to meet in the, in, in the Christmas, and all these things. People, you know, they, you know, because people have been disengaged socially, it affected a lot of people in their mind, and, um, and uh, some committed suicide. And of course... If we look, therefore, the last one is technological. If you look at the technology, now to eradicate COVID or to stop COVID, a new innovation had to come to play. And this is where technology came to play. And we can see the race of people trying to look for technological way of solving the issues until this very month where we began to see People roll out vaccine in different forms, and they showed us the vaccine of each organization deals with different things. They approach the same problem in different methods. Some of them, they showed us they would, they would deal with the T cells. Another one will kill the COVID virus and insert it into people's body, and then the people's body will breathe immunity. And the other one will attack the COVID virus, I say, and destroy the COVID virus. So, all manners of technology now began to emerge. So, it is very, very proven that we can establish it that the intellectual reason is very correct. That the four factors that, you know, are quite essential, that influence, you know, or, or, you know this VUCA uh, in the last days is political, economic, social, and technology. However, I ended up by taking you through eight principles because I said we're going to be focusing on leadership, challenges, and enablers. 
And I'm going to be talking about leadership enablers in this very meeting. So on Sunday last week, we ended up by looking at the eight things that you need to consider when you are looking into challenges, when you face challenges. And you know, I remember when I started teaching you about this leadership, I helped you to understand leadership begins from an individual. Because sometimes when we talk about leadership, we're always looking at people who are, you know, in charge of big organizations, people who have, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, authority or office, uh, position in offices but really when i looked at leadership i i helped you to understand that leadership is solo it begins from an individual person because what makes an individual person is what will determine his leadership skill or leadership approach and i told you the consensus is that a 21st century leadership or an end-time leader is somebody who is futuristic because all these problems will come along the way. If somebody who is just sighted can never thrive in this season, whatever level of leadership you are, whether you are a manager, whether you are working, having six people to manage or whatever, or even you are working to ascend to leadership position, if you are not able to see forward, you will not be able to plan, you know, you know, uh, uh, on time. That would mean that you will not be proactive. So these stops will meet you unawares, and if it comes to you unawares, you will lose benefits that you have. And that's what has happened to companies that were not really prepared for this. Yeah, of course, people did not envisage COVID-19, but you can see some companies, they are still standing because they are proactive, they are innovative, they are working within the, 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 the framework that if VOCA happens, if uncertainty happens, what shall we do? You know, when things become so volatile, when the economy shakes, when we have issues with government, what are we going to take? What step are we going to take? And all those kind of reasoning had helped them to build a framework that when this storm came, it can stand. You know, Jesus said that a foolish man built his house upon the sand, and when the rain came down, the house fell down. It says, a wise man built his house upon the rock. And when the rain came down, the house stood firm. So, and this is what we are looking at. Of course, I know that I'm talking about business, you know, uh, you know kind of reasoning. However, I'm happy to understand that all these things came from the scriptures. And the church of God at this very time, because the, the, the problem facing the community is facing the church. Because church is part of the community. The problem facing the government is facing the church. The problem facing the industry at this time is facing the church. And the uncertain future that is challenging many organizations is really posing more challenges against the church. Because you can imagine a situation whereby, you know, a lot of members of particular church caught COVID and they died. Which happened, it happened in the U.S. and it happened some other places during this time. And so, we recognize the fact that the church needs to go to the drawing board to look at this principle in line with the scriptures. So that they can really understand that all these teaching principles came out of Christ and it came out of the Bible. And if anyone has abandoned them, they need to really recognize that they need to, you know, change their perspective about leadership. However, in the midst of all these challenges, as I can give you several, several quotations of the Bible that talks about how you behave, how you react in challenges, I want us to look today into leadership enablers. What are the things that enable leadership in the midst of storms? What are the things that can help a leader to be in control regardless of what it is? 
What are the things that leadership needs to concentrate on in the midst of situations like this? Uh, well, we made mention of some few things over the period, but today, let's look at the first thing, your leadership style. I believe very much that everybody under heaven who is a leader must check their leadership style. You must check whether your leadership style, which you have adopted over the years, really will work in this season. Let me tell you something. In the past, in industries, people are in the office, and the boss is in the office, he can see his staff, he can monitor his staff. But now you are monitoring them, you know, in isolation. They are not in office. They are in their homes, and they are working, and you have to manage them. And you have to ensure productivity as it was when they face you. That is a great challenge. Church leaders need to make sure that the way you are reaching your church at the beginning, you are still reaching them. You are still communicating to them. And they are still active. That's a great challenge. As it is that an industry that cannot meet up with these new challenges, what will happen to you is that your workers will not produce adequately. And if they do not produce adequately, it's a matter of if you have, you know, um, a quarterly um, um, overview and you check the impact, which I spoke about last week, of, you know, your work on a quarterly basis, you can really measure your, quarter, your quarterly, you know, uh, yield this year with last year and recognize that there is disparity. But for organizations who don't do that, they just keep on working until the tax year is ended. They will recognize that by the end of the year, they have gone busted or bankrupt. And they cannot continue any longer. Therefore, your style of leadership is very, very important. While I'm not going to be talking about all these types of leadership today, I will just allude to two standard leadership that I found that is, it, 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 it can stand against the test of all time. And it's from Jesus Christ. Number one is the servant leadership. Servant leadership. And the second one is a transformational leader. Transformational leadership. Now, in this lecture, I'll not be going deeper into that because I want to cover many other things. But if you look at what we call servant leadership or transformational leadership, a transformational leader is a person who sees leadership in everybody and equips everybody to transform them into leadership. I would say that it's a leadership that fills every lacuna <laughs> and turn every quagmire into paradise. I think that uh, my listeners have been used to these two phrases from me. A transformational leader does not see a waste. He does not see a useless member of the team. He makes sure that he empowers um, uh, the, 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 the weakling and he creates environment for everyone to come out with their best. He transforms their thinking. He challenges their thinking and he transforms their thinking. But if you look at and they achieve common goal. And in his approach of leadership, everybody is praised for the achievement of the goal. One person is not a hero. He is the brain behind all things. But he, he pushes people, or not the word pushes may be, may be contentious. What, what I mean is that he allows people to metamorphosize by equipping them and informing them and empowering them so that what they do not think they can be, they will begin to be it. And they will be excited. I don't think I can do that, but now I've done it. He does not have the mentality that if I build them and they leave me. No, he builds them for tomorrow. 
Some of them will remain with him. Some of them will move on. In years' time, he has his spring, his wings spread all over, because he can read from everywhere. His 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 people that he has mentored are all over the whole place, and still successful. A transformational leader sees, you know, you know the values in each person, no matter how minute it is. And he sees substance in people and create the enabling environment for them to manifest it. Let me say, therefore, therefore, a transformational leader, people love him so much. They love him so much. You know, under a transformational leader, even people are not afraid to make mistakes. They are not afraid to suggest what is foolish. Because sometimes what is foolish will become the wisdom that will bring you results. What you, t- you tainted foolish. And so, transformational leadership style is a style that everyone should adopt now. Second leadership style is the servant leadership. A servant leadership is a leadership that leads by example. And you find that Jesus came to transform the whole world. Hallelujah, somebody. He came to transform the whole world. Some other time we look at Jesus' transformational leadership skills. My, Jesus went to call people... And he called useless people. <laughs> Hallelujah. He called angry man. Like Peter. Knowing he was very angry. He called Judas. He's a thief. <laughs> and the Bible says it in the book of John that Judas used to steal. from the, And he made him the treasurer. He changed the fisherman to a fisher soul. A man who is a fish fishing catching fishes. He turned him into a magnet who catches souls across the globe. He called opposite people like the zealots. He mixed them with the tax collectors. They are two enemies. He brought them together and he called them his disciples. Come on now. When we look into that, you see how Jesus Christ tamed the, the, gang, the goose and the gangers. And at the end of the day, apart from Judas, who is destined for peril, everybody became firebrand. He called a man who, were, who must see before he believes. And he called the one that just tell him go, he goes. So you can imagine when the one that, you know, we just obey instruction like Peter. Jesus said go, go. And Thomas said, why should we go? Show me proof that where we are going, we are going to achieve it. So they are all con- conflicting. But at the end of the day... Jesus was able to transform every one of them. But in Jesus' servant leadership, is somebody who, who helps others to build destiny. And that is Jesus Christ for you. In the book of John chapter 10, verse 14 and 15, he says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep. So, a, a servant leader knows his team. And I, I am known by my own and the people that you lead they know you he said i'm the good shepherd and i know my sheep and i'm known by my own you can imagine in an office when everybody loves the leader and the leader loves them tell me what is impossible there that's the servant leader then he says as the father knows me even so I know my father and I lay down my life for the sheep a servant leader will lay down his life he will go extra mile for others to succeed that's a servant leader 
all his mindset is for his people to succeed. He doesn't care about himself. But let me say something to you. Will he not succeed? He will. Because his success is the cumulative success of everybody he's leading. A servant leader is a shepherd. If you look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12, he's not a boss. He says, let no one despise your youth, but set an example to all, to the believers in words, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity. So a servant leader is not a person who tells the people to do something he will not do. Understand, I choose my word very well. I didn't say what he cannot do. He does not entrust people with what they cannot do. Somebody, what someone cannot do, he cannot do it unless you empower him to do so. A servant leader does not yoke people. He does not give them burden. He, he, he makes sure that he knows, first of all, the people under him. He knows the weaknesses and the strengths of each person and everybody knows him too. And in knowing one another, when there is a dual communication of knowing, then there is complete trust and confidence. And when there is trust and confidence, I'm going to be taking you through some elements that are vital in the area of, you know, within this time that you, a leadership need, but to have them to steer, to, 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 to steer through every complexity. I'm going to end you up with that. But you can see from this scripture that Jesus talked about dual communication, dual knowledge. And then Jesus talked about the leader laying his life down. So if you look therefore, the same thing. He says, set an example. Timothy, Paul said to Timothy, set an example. Be that one. I am example to you, then you go be the example. If you look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 to 4, it says, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. The servant leader is willing, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. He does not serve for financial benefits. He has a goal to achieve. He is driven by his goal, not by what he gets from, not the, the finance he gets from it. Ministers need to understand this, and business, those who are business leaders need to understand what I'm telling you. You do what I'm saying to you, you know, to succeed in your business is very cheap and easy. It says in verse 3, Nor be Lord over, the, over those entrusted to, to you. You cannot boss. You know, the leadership principle with Jesus Christ is in, uh, upside down pyramid. That is, the leader is at the bottom and then it builds up like that. In the world, it's the other way. Triangle other way. So that the base is at the bottom and the apex is up. But in, in church, the apex is the one carrying the load of everybody. That is Jesus Christ for you. You know, you must not uh, boss people. You must, you must not boss them. You must, you must be an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Does that mean that your position is not recognized? It is even more recognized. Because you can identify with the, with the, with the young, you can identify with the least worker among your staff. People will be, they will work with you, you know, in relationship rather than in business. That is the higher fire, that's not what they do. They, they don't fear you, but they will respect you. Because everybody knows that you serve to make sure that they have life. Of course, let me say to you that you may 
ask me questions that what about those who abuse privileges? Yes, we have one or few of them that will do so. And when I finish what I'm talking about, you will know how to cope with them and how to handle those ones. So, if you look at the book of Hebrews 13, 7, it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So, leadership, by example, is leadership that is um, servant leadership. Now, let me take you through this. This is very, 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 you know, interesting. One of the elements I found out, which I agree with us also, about 21st century leadership is that whatever the circumstances or challenges are, they leverage those challenges to empower their leadership. They leverage the challenges to empower their leadership. So their resilience, their confidence, they are bold, they are well informed. Because to be well informed in what you are doing means you are confident in it. While others are confused on what to do, they can come to you and they know when they come to you, they will get solution. So, you cannot be someone who lay back, who is laid back. When all your workers and your members are striving to acquire knowledge and they are increasing in the knowledge of what is the business you are talking about, you who is the leader must be ahead of that knowledge too. And so, in the midst of storms, they are not afraid. They will leverage the storm and advantage it to their leadership. There are four, five factors, I mean, I think one, two, three, four, five, yeah, that I, 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 two, three of them I agree with, but I added two to it. Factors that can enable your leadership in this very season. That your organization, though you may be shaking, but you will end up blossoming. Because let me tell you something about 2000 and 2011. This is 2020, 2021. I'm talking about 2021. <laughs> when God told, spoke to me in January and last year, October, about this year, and then January, He spoke a lot about this shaking economic crisis and all stuff like that. And I saw the world shaking, and I saw, I told you, I saw people fall off from high offices. And it's like you took um, um, uh, some seed that you have peeled. They are, they are, they are and you threw them up in a basket so that the shot blew, and then you see the seed dropping. So I saw the shaking of the economy left a lot of gaps and holes, perforations, lacunas all over the industries, and then when all was finished, people fell off from their position and stuff. When all was finished, then the whole organization came together and when they came together there are vacancies on the top and that is when god will begin to exalt the faithful because those vacancies are the top someone have to fill them but formally they always interview people and sometimes they employ people to top offices because of connection and stuff but this time around when they ask people for connection to occupy it they will not be able to because that top demands some skills that is strange to really sit in that place a hot seat people will be afraid 
And this is where those who understood and have been doing things I'm saying. Some of us have been working in line with in such, which we didn't really recognize that we are doing it, preparing ourselves for such a time. And I see the hand of God exalting the faithful. Some, their salaries will just double. Watch it from next year, what I'm telling you. When others are looking for what shall I do, what shall I do, some are just flying and flying and flying up. Because that top, those who sit there or who sat there in the past, some of them have been so fatted that they didn't you know, acquire knowledge, they didn't add to their knowledge, they just there, you know, marking time. Now they cannot sit there any longer because it demands a new skill, it demands strange understanding. And so they have to be removed. But I will say this to you, for everyone listening to me. There are some factors that you can put into your mind and operate. And they will enable you, you know, in these 21st century operations. Number one is innovation. Number two is collaboration. Number three is cooperation. Number four is stakeholders engagement that i was taught and i believe in it because the bible teaches it too and number three is creativity creativity so you have innovation you need innovation you have collaboration you need that you have cooperation you need it so much and you have stakeholders engagement and when i talk about stakeholders i'm talking about both internal stakeholders and external stakeholders i did a teaching on that in march but all these things have to do with the church also because church is an industry it has to do with family a family is an industry you produce children you raise the children to become something and you produce grandchildren and then it's a big industry the same strategy you need in industry is the same strategy you need to educate and to bring up family. And the same strategy you need for the church. A church who lacks them will be short-lived. Maybe that's why you see some churches, the founder will be there, the church grows, and then suddenly the church fizzles out, fizzles out. Before the death of the founder, the church is just few people, 10, 20. And some people attribute all those failures to demons or to, you know, somebody, some people rebel. <laughs> it's a pity, it's a pity. If you understand what I'm telling you, it does not matter. Every institution must pass through storm. You must pass through your book. Every family must pass through storm. You must pass through your book. You must pass through time that things are ambiguous, things are uncertain around you. Things are volatile. Every human being will pass through it. But if you establish yourself in these principles, you will discover that the storm will come, the storm will go. Really, the storm, may, the storm will help you if you are able to leverage them. It will help you to reach your set goal. Now, what is innovation? Innovation entails reasoning differently. And departure from norm that is my own conclusion about innovation it entails reasoning differently and departure from norm if you look at the book of isaiah chapter 1 verse 8 18 
God said, come, let us reason together, says the Lord. Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. What is God talking about? Innovation. When you rub minds together, you will come out with a higher level of mind. When you rub brains together, you come out with a better resolve of understanding. Of course, these things are also connected. The second thing is collaboration. You cannot succeed without a collaboration. Collaboration is bringing our synergies together to achieve the same aim. That everybody who have common purpose bring their synergies together to achieve the same aim. That is to collaborate or it can mean joining forces together to achieve a common purpose. Husband and wife join purposes together to achieve common purpose. Their family will thrive. They will be blessed. A person who is a head of a department, you know, is able to get his people to collaborate among themselves. All right? If they do that, nothing will be impossible for that department. It will be the best department in the company. What about somebody who is the CEO of a company? He's able to get all his directors and the board, you know, to collaborate together. Everybody will bring what they have on the table. That is collaboration. I'll talk a little bit about that later on from scriptural example. The third one, which is cooperation. Well, cooperation, I spoke about collaboration, bringing your synergies together. Cooperation is bringing a collective thinking together where I will want to listen to what you have to say, you will listen to what I have to say, and we can bring all these collective reasons together to forge an aim. That is cooperation. In building this, this material on, on my stage, there is a professional who produced the wood. Another professional produced the glass. Another professional produced this floor. Another professional produced the carpet. Another professional produced this electrical wiring in here. Now, Cooperation is, once the procedure to produce is set, one professional has to cooperate with the second professional for them to be able to come to the common goal. One cannot say, I know it all, in cooperation. No, 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 I need you. You need me. And that is how cooperation operates. You know, this is one of the fundamental things that cause problems in a family. Who pays the bill? Who pays the rent? Who pays the gas? Who pays? <laughs> it's you. Where there's cooperation is not an issue at all. It's not an issue. You will work it according to your aggregates or weights, if you understand what I'm talking about. And that is what cooperation is. In cooperation, people do not criticize one another. The weakling will do what he can do, and the one who is strong will do what he can do. 
What about stakeholders' engagement? Stakeholders' engagement, it looks very much like business uh, word. But it's not just business word, it's Bible words. It's an adequate, I see that to be an adequate and regular communication with stakeholders. That is stakeholders' you know, engagement. You know, we all know what engagement is. Your stakeholders begins from your internal stakeholders to your external stakeholders. For the church, it is the members of the church. For a company, it is, the, it is the workers in the company. For a department, it is the members of the department. There must be a dual-way communication that is fluid between every member of the organization. Now, let me help you know this, therefore. Adequate and regular communication with stakeholders. And what this will achieve is that it will, it will make each person... Who is a member of the organization to own the vision? And for this to happen, organization needs to create various activities and projects that will involve the participation of everybody. Somebody is doing something. In the family, everybody must have what it does in the home. And there must be communication among you cannot assume that this post party of the team is supposed to know what he's to do no it, it has to be communicated in plain language so that everybody have a clear description of what stake he is holding in the whole team and there will be no confusion when that is achieved I'm going to take you through a few scriptures to explain further to you. If you look at church, a typical church, the church of God must have activities that attract participation of every member. That is internal stakeholders. The church of God must have activities that can attract the external people, outside people, they are the external stakeholders. To come into the church, your product must be branded in a way that the customer that you want to reach will begin to look for you. Any company that reaches that, you will sell. You will excel. You don't need much money in advertisement. Same thing with the church. But see, these things... You may have a good brand in your organization. If it is not properly communicated to your customers, they don't know it exists. They don't know it exists. Now, if we say we're a church, and the common man in the area don't know that we exist here, it's because we have not successfully communicated ourselves to them. And when we establish forum or engagements or programs that we bring them in, they will come in. When they come in, they will just go, oh, this is, this is available here. I never knew that. And also, we must be able to take what we have and take it to our target group so that we can reach out to them. When this area is sorted, you will see the organization will breathe normally without any headache. Apply that to your marriage, it works. Apply that to your marriage works. I've told you about this. Internal stakeholders is you, your husband, your wife, and, and your children. External stakeholders, your parents, your cousins, your brothers, your siblings, and stuff. They just guys. They have they have vested interest in your marriage. You came from them. You didn't fall from the sky. 
And if you are not able to adequately engage them, because in engagement, everybody will do what he is, you know, occasion to do and empowered to do and right to do. But in everybody breathing and getting themselves into their activities, you will discover that you have tranquility around you, peace in your central marriage, and your marriage can move forward without any aggro. But when you cut this off, you cut that off, you cut the other one off, the day you need help, you will be isolated. If you are not able to communicate with both your internal and external you know, stakeholders, you are, you are a wreck. It's a matter of time, you will soon fizzle out. As it is necessary for organization, it's necessary for the church, it's necessary for, for, for marriages and families. So, in the scriptures, what are the things that the apostles did to enhance stakeholders' engagement? Acts chapter 1 verse 14, it says, they all joined together constantly in prayer. Prayer is an activity. They set it on. Along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers, they joined that engagement. That is creating activities to enhance stakeholders' engagement. Everybody who is a stakeholder was there to pray. A church who does not pray regularly, I tell you that it's a matter of time. People will still leave that church and when they find a place where they can pray. And then, if you look further in the chapter 2, verse 22, it says they devoted themselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, to prayer. So what are the activities? Teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. Those are activities. And people get engaged in it, then I will tell you what the result will be. It means that you are doing what Jesus did, and your members will be growing in the areas necessary for their life, and also they will be successful, and they will not live where they are successful, because they also want to contribute to the house, to make sure that the house is successful. They also can raise other people that are coming because in church one generation grows older another generation is born another generation is growing older another generation is born so stakeholders engagement is a very very strong thing and if you apply it to company simple if you create activities relevant to your product i tell you something that your internal stakeholders will be very happy that they are being fulfilled and you know your customers who are external they'll be looking for you now, creativity, let me talk about it a little bit because I'll soon finish. Creativity involves creative, it, it involves creative thinking, which leads to various adjustments of your own ways of doing things. I will get down. And this can be achieved by learning from other, other institutions too, what they are doing well. That you are not doing well. Or other groups of people, other families, where they are doing well. And you are not doing well. Other churches that are established by joining your effort with other, you know, external churches. If you are a church. And if you are an industry, by engaging yourself with other, collaborating with other organizations. Looking at their weaknesses and their strengths and borrowing from their understanding what they are doing well and then implementing it. Exchanging areas of strength with like-minded organizations. And it's also with churches and it's also with, with families. And that will bring in creativity into your own operation.
I will say this to you, write it down. Keys to develop your team, your staff, your membership. Three keys to develop your team, your staff, and membership. Number one, inform. Information. Don't assume they know. Number two, educate. Don't assume they understand. Inform. Educate. Third, mentor. Mentoring is so essential in every sphere of life. Somebody who has got experience should co- communicate and pass that experience to others who are coming. That is mentoring. That is mentoring. Mentoring takes out of the mentor a lot of time and sacrifice. And you have to know that any life you invest in will never forget you. So, inform, educate, and mentor. Inform, educate, and mentor. Let me say this to you. This is one of the problems that, one of the things that create problems between husband and wife. <laughs> the husband expects her to know uh, without being informed. And the wife expects him to understand without being educated about it. But he should understand what I want. He should understand what I mean. No. The, the Lord didn't expect us to understand. He expects us to be educated by him and then we understand. He expects us to be informed, then that we know. And then he mentors us. And those three things, if they are present in a church, in an organization, in a department, you will have the best production team. If you look at Jesus spoke about it in the book of Matthew 24, 28, verse 19 to 20, it says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them with, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of age. Look at what he says. Number one, go make disciples. That is mentor them. Inform, educate, and mentor them. That's a disciple. Disciple comes the word matrices, which means an apprentice who will become a professional. And in that word, disciple is inform them, educate them, and mentor them. But then he told him, told them what to teach them. Teach them all have taught you. Teach them, teach them. Don't assume they know. Teach them. Educate them. You see that Jesus laid the template of this. But finally, I was going to teach. Just round up with a brief story, which is Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. And I will ex- my next Sunday will be the last lecture on this, because we are moving into Christmas. Next Sunday is the last Sunday of the month. We are moving into December, and I will move into other things that we'll be looking at in the kingdom of God. But let me help us understand that all what I have taught you today... Which are the factors you need? Innovation, collaboration, creativity. Um, sorry. Yeah, innovation, collaboration, cooperation, stakeholders, engagement, and creativity. You will find all these embodiments in the story I'm about to read to you. Genesis chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. Genesis 11, 
1 to 6. And it says, Now the whole earth had had one language and common speech. Understand that they had one language and common speech. Language and speech are different. Language is in your heart. Speech comes from your mind. Okay? That's the reason why somebody can know five languages. It's in his heart. But when you speak, you think before you speak. That comes from your thinking. So if your heart and mind is united, and you are together with heart and mind united, then what happens? It says, they had one speech and common language. Then it says, and it came to pass. No, sorry, I'm reading the NIV. <laughs> now the whole world had one language and common speech. Verse 2 says, and men moved eastward. They found a plain in Sinai and settled there. Why? That is innovation, creativity. And you see a lot of that happening here. These people, because they can speak the same language, they understand one another, they agree, they communicate very well. There is engagement among all of them. You know, they, they inform, they educate, and you know, they, they mentor one another. They speak the same language. They reason the same way. Because of that, innovation can set in and creativity can come in. They discovered, they, they, they moved from where they are, that this is not a good place, so let's move together. And they did. And they found a plain, which means they formerly were building a rugged land and stuff like that, in China, and settled there. There is settlement when you have all these functions together. It says, they said to each other, come, let us make bricks. That is discovery. Let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar instead of mortar. When there is common speech and language, there is collaboration, there is cooperation, there is engagements flowing between everybody, creativity will come. Because everybody will be very, very happy and comfortable to chip in their ideas. And before you know it, they come to a better production. This will happen. This guy revolutionized the industry of construction, construction science. And they talk about bonding. This is the first place where bonding was mentioned in construction. And so, they said to each other, they never move solely. They said to each other, communication, stakeholders engagement. Come, let us make bricks and break them thoroughly. And use the bricks instead of stone and tar. Then verse 4 says, Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a tower. Can you understand that in each level, there is a common speech. The common speech is, Come, collaboration, cooperation. Nobody does his own thing. We do it together. This is our aim. This is our intention. It is well spelled out. Everybody understands it. Now, let's put it on the table. What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? What can you do? And everybody's chipping in ideas. Nobody says, oh, that idea is rubbish. No, 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 no. That rubbish may be the best idea eventually when you start to encounter problems in your procedure. Everyone can put something on the table. They always say, come, come, come. Not I, I, I. And then it says... With the tower reaches to heaven, so that we 
may make a name, and that's where they missed it, for ourselves before God, and not be scattered across the face of the earth. I will not talk more about it next Sunday. I will continue. But you see these people, they were building formerly, they are building technology chain. They made bricks and baked them thoroughly. This brick was invented by those guys. And we are still using it today. They use bricks instead of stones. Because the house of stones, the bonding is very weak. And those houses will soon just fade away. Now they discovered bricks that can last test of time. Because there was cooperation, there was collaboration, there was stakeholders engagement. Then innovation comes and then creativity. Any institution that is built on this cannot fail. Whether marriage institution, which is family, or church institution, which is the church of the living God, or company or organization, they will never fail. I'm going to stop here today, and we will continue next Sunday. To look very critically into some other things that this collaboration engagement gives birth to. You must know that a company, a sole company, can never succeed. Because for any organization to succeed, you need the input of other organizations. Same thing, family. For family to succeed, you need input of external people various, of various capacity, you know, to succeed. No man succeeds alone. And it is necessary for people to also identify organizations with same manner, you know, like minds, organization that you can engage with all the time so that you can rub minds together and you can learn from one another you can collectively bring together your synergies, your understanding. This is all what Christianity is all about. If anybody derailed from this, you have just derailed from the truth. And this is the reason why a lot are frustrated. Because they, de- they derail from the principles of the truth and they are frustrated. For you, God will empower you. He will engrace you. You will be successful in everything that you lay your hands on. The Holy Spirit of God will empower you to understand from the life of Christ and the book of Acts and from the Bible all these principles that he had written there, which now had become, you know, uh, uh, I would say a thumb for the world. And many are using this principle and succeeding. You also will be among those who will succeed. I want to pray with you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. Yes, Lord. <laughs> the Son co- collaborated with the Father. And the Father with the Son. And that's why the Son can do all things. And the Father committed to Him all things. Ground the heart, O oh God, to everyone under my voice. To be able to cooperate with you. You said, come, let us reason together. You, the mighty God, want to reason with mortal men. My Lord, give us ears to listen to your voice. Because if you reason with us, you will take our reasoning beyond ordinary man's reasoning. And to humanity, we will look like genius. And they will say to us, Christian, where did you get this from? But we know that we, because we reason with you, the immortal, the invisible, the creator of all things, so we are able to come up with innovation, creative things that transcends natural thinking. Help us, O Lord. Thank you, Father. Every spirit of rebellion 
disobedience. Take them out, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Every irritating spirit, procrastination, deception, take them out, Lord. Oh, Father. The spirit calls simple. That makes a person to be so simple and remain in one spot when the whole world is moving forward. Take them out, Lord. May they not have root in our hearts. May they not have root in our lives. May they not have root in our churches. May they not have root in our organization. Transformation, let it come, Lord. Innovation, let it come, Lord. Creativity, let it come, Lord. A thinking mind, receiving the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The Bible says in the beginning, God said, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was void and formless. But the Spirit of God was in charge. And then God said, let, He said, let there be light. And there was light. You have the Word. You have the Father. You have the Spirit. And in chapter 2, chapter, chapter 2, uh, it, it says, let us make man in our own image. Chapter 1, verse 26. And in our likeness, it says, us, 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 Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. No wonder, Lord, what you have done up till now is astonishing to humanity. Grant us the spirit of connectivity with one another. Connectivity with your Holy Spirit. Understanding of deep mysteries. This is the time and hour on earth that you are revealing mysteries. Lord, carry us by the wing of your spirit as we sang earlier. To the depth of your power, the depth of your thinking, the ocean of innovation, the ocean of creative ability. That can decode the new move on earth. Where the world is going to turn towards that will be among those who will invent direction for them. In the name of Jesus Christ. It does not matter where people are listening to me under heaven. Oh Lord my God. Wake up. Your spirit. Our spirit within us. To the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit that lives in us. Father Lord, I thank you so much. Beyond my speech, give understanding to everybody who have listened today. And more than that, enable everyone to implement what they have learned this day. You will prosper in the name of Jesus Christ. May the mercy of God rest upon you. Anyone under my voice that is sick, you are discharged from your illnesses in the name of Jesus. Everyone that lacks faith, that you are struggling with belief, I rebuke the spirit of doubt and I ask faith to rise up within you. If you have lost confidence in yourself, I rebuke that spirit and I decree confidence to come back to you in the name of Jesus Christ. I ask that the Lord will open your eyes and illuminate your mind so that you can see into what God had put inside your body, the treasure of God in your spirit. And you can bring this out in this season. Everybody must bring out those treasures so that we can change the, the, the shape, the, the, the direction the world is going now. And we can be relevant in the new move that will begin in 2021. May grace and mercy be upon all who have listened to my voice. This week shall be a week of success for you. Being the last week of the month of fulfillment, you will be fulfilled in everything that you are expecting. The Bible says the expectation of the righteous shall not be cut off. 
your expectations shall not be cut off. And the path of the righteous go brighter and brighter. I say per day, per hour, per second, your, your, your path will go brighter and brighter. In Jesus' holy and anointed name, we are prayed in thanksgiving.